Welcome to the Black Magic Collective podcast presented by Black Magic Design. This podcast is made by filmmakers for filmmakers. Join at blackmagiccollective.com to enjoy free membership and all that comes with it. Now, on with the show. Welcome to part three of our micro budget series, filming your feature in under 15 days. Uh, what are the most important things to consider when you make to make a high quality film in a short time and on a limited budget? Our panelists are going to get into all of that today. Uh, just so you know, I am the executive director of Black Magic Collective. I came on just to create more uh, initiatives to help filmmakers get work. But I'm a director. I've directed six feature films. Four of those were under shot in under 15 days. One was shot in seven and one was shot in five. I do not recommend that. But I have a lot to share with you guys, as do our panelists. First up, we have Emily Aguilar. She has sold multiple micro-budget films through <laughs> and through Target, Walmart, Pure Flix, Amazon Prime, and HBO Max. And we have Jeanette Godoy. She's fresh off directing HBO Max's show, The Garcias, and is in post-production on her film that she shot in 15 days. Oh, side note, what I just found out, uh, Jeanette choreographs for Mix-A-Lot's Baby Got Back. I didn't know you were like royalty, Jeanette. I just had to bring that up. Thank you both for being here. I want to just get started right off the top. Like, um, how about what was one thing you wish you knew before you went into your first micro budget feature? Just oh, I'll, one, huh? <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I wish I knew that it was going to take longer than I thought. <laughs> So I had actually prepped for three years and it actually ended up, ended up taking five. I mean, the pandemic didn't help, but there were times where I was super, super impatient and you just have to go with it. So kind of wish I knew that. Can you talk to <laughs> why it took three, you know, like obviously five years, you're just prepping, trying to, is it just raising money? Is it, what are all the things that are keeping you from getting out there and filming? So the thing that actually postponed the completed film was actually post-production. So we definitely finished the shooting and everything in 2018. And from 2018 to 2021, um, it was in post and in negotiations. So negotiations alone actually took a, took a year also. And, um, and yeah, I'm the executive producer of the movie. So with that being said, you know, I definitely took the investment for the film as well. Uh, we're going to dive more into that. Uh, Jeanette, what is one thing you wish you knew before you went and shot this feature in 15 days? Uh, gosh, I mean, I think just, um, I mean, I think I was hyper organized shooting, but I, I could have used even a little more definitive organization in terms of the scenes with the actors and what I needed from them um i think i got, i think i got a lot but i just um because the prep my prep was not three years my prep was six weeks so because i prepped in such a short time frame i had to work so hard on the logistics of getting the film on its feet that in the actual performance part of it i was so lucky that i had an amazing cast but you know when you get into post you go oh i wish i had one take where she was going at it from this sort of perspective. So that's just, just one thing that, you know, I will focus on even more. Next well, let's time. start in the beginning then. So how much did you guys tweak your scripts just to make it fit your budget and time frame? Like, cause I know we all start with our script and we have, it's, it's the $2 million, $8 million feature film. And then we go, okay, I have to now make this fit in a 15 day shoot on 35 grand, you know, whatever it is. How much was, was tweaking or did you guys already, was your script set and you didn't have to tweak at all? 
Janet, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we did have to tweak. Now we went into so mine, you know, wasn't a micro budget, it, but it, even though it was fifteen days, um, but we we went into it knowing that we were going to have to basically shoot a, ma a majority of the film in one location, obviously to save money, right? So, so I did have to tweak the film to make different scenes instead of a party. It was a little breakfast like you know I, I had to change things that were like big grand scenes in the film to much smaller more manageable situations i mean that's a hundred percent yeah we all, had all location and time dependent was yeah we had uh in playing with beethoven which was my last feature film uh we had the scene, it was written to have a big epic ending with a bunch of students in this auditorium and everybody watching this competition. And we're like, nope, it's going to be a competition with the kind where there's only three judges and an empty auditorium. <laughs> and it works. It's a different yeah. feeling though. And you, I think as a filmmaker, when you're doing micro budget, one thing you have to be is flexible. You, you cannot be rigid. Uh, Emily, how much tweaking did you do? I mean, you were, it sounds like you were developing it for a while. Did you write your script that you did? I did write it and I was already thinking of locations and places and things that like the resources I had ahead of time while, while I was writing it, just because I knew I was going to have to put it together somehow. So in my brain, I was already racking things up. I will say one thing that I just remembered that we tweaked in the movie, we were going to do a humongous bake-off challenge at the end with actual ovens. And like, we actually wanted to get a humongous kitchen where the kids would do the, their bake-off challenge. And because of budget and other restrictions and stuff like that, we actually had to go with a no-bake bake-off challenge. And we wrote it into the script. And that's actually one of the things that we had to do. And it ended up working really great because it was a really funny moment and crucial thing towards the end of the movie. So spoiler if you haven't seen it. But <laughs> um, yeah, definitely being flexible is super important for indie features. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, how important... I know say, prep is important, let's say period. Uh, how much did prep save you? What were the key things you were thinking about? Obviously, look, we've talked about script and locations. What are some other things in prep that you just had to really be on top of and maybe change from the script or just you knew it was coming, so you had to just be prepared to shoot it in a shorter time? Does anything come to mind? Absolutely. So I will say that I storyboarded 80% of the movie myself. And my storyboards aren't anything fancy, you know, some stick figures here and there. <laughs> but I definitely went over my storyboards on my shot list with my DP way ahead of time. We were already looking since we were in LA and shooting in Virginia, we were already looking at videos and photos, and really trying to imagine the space ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And literally just plan because we only might. So Breeze Bake Off Challenge was shot in 14 days. And, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. And when I approached my DP, Laura Jansen, she's amazing. She was like, okay, we really need a plan for this. So for this, we really, really planned everything to a T as much as possible. And then we were ready for, you know, the things that happen on set. <laughs> oh, I want to ask you a quick question, follow up on that, because... So normally in micro budget and short and you know, quick shoots, food is a nightmare. So if someone's supposed to be eating breakfast, you don't, you can't really even let them eat because you don't have the time to reset and do all that. Your whole movie is based around this bake off challenge. I'm assuming there was baking in it and lots of food to deal with. How did you manage that? 
Absolutely. So yeah, no, my production design team definitely had a lot of fun taking on the bakes and we had various stages of each bake and definitely we had craft services all the time, meals and stuff like that wasn't the one thing for filmmakers to know, the one thing that you don't be cheap on is food. <laughs> so you need to have sn snacks, foods, all that stuff available on set at all times. And then we were lucky that we had various green rooms uh, specifically for the kids and for the adults. But yeah, they definitely had fun eating the bakes when sometimes I told them not to. <laughs> uh, Jeanette, I know you're like a prep queen. Um, what are some of the biggest things that you really wanted to make sure you had down before you ever hit set? Well, I mean, similar to Emily, it was it was going in on a very strategic, organized, deep dive with my cinematographer, Megan Stacy, who is amazing. We were really faced with the challenge of um, our location had both indoors and outdoors. And a lot of times we would be shooting inside toward out. So. It, it was so problematic having three grip and electric, like, you know, we didn't have tons of hands on deck in order to, to create shadows or sun blasting in. So Megan and I really, really took the, the shot list with a fine scalpel and we planned out every single shot. And I went to the location. I mean, I must've gone to the location eight to 10 times before we started shooting at all times of the day, morning, noon, nighttime, and it's oh. really strategic photos. I don't typically do storyboards. I do photo boards, so exact angles. And and I went over it with Megan. I went over it with the AD so that when we went in, we had a very, very specific map. Now, we had sometimes had to be fluid. Sometimes we were running out of time and we knew we weren't going to get the coverage. So we would have to go, okay, this is going to be a one or like we or we're going to run out of the day. But there we didn't we shot with two cameras. And but there was never a day where we had less than 25 setups, not one day. Wow. That's so I, the, the planning the shots down to the T was the only way we could make it. I find that whenever we're in these micro budget situations, especially in the quick filming, you, you, I always come with a shot list, but you cannot be, as you were saying, like sometimes you have to throw it out and like, we're gonna have to make this be a one or like, you cannot yeah. be set on that shot list. And one of the biggest things I always tell filmmakers who ask you these questions is I say, know what, know what your money shots are for that day. So if you know that you like, whenever I was filming a, a short once, um, I spent a bulk of our day on just the opening of the film. And everybody was like, you're going to run out of time. I'm like, it doesn't matter. The other stuff we're shooting today, it's tiny in the script. It's minuscule in the script. This sets the mood. We've got to spend the time here. So if you know that we're going in, you can be more fluid with where you can chop other stuff. It's super important. Um, how? So, okay. So you guys both shot fast. How are you keeping yourselves nimble? I mean, you guys have tiny crews. I think, Jeanette, you said you had a very small g and &E team. Was it tiny cruise for both of you? Like any thoughts I mean, on that? Mine wasn't tiny, tiny. I mean, we did have two camera crews. Um, you know what I mean? So because my it is a big film, it's got golf tournaments and all kinds. I mean, it's you know, it's pretty sizable and a giant cast. So, but but still, you know, our department was production designer, decorator, prop person, and and you know, four. And that's that's nothing on a film, you know, as big as it was. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was tricky. It was definitely tricky and you had to be so organized. I'm sure you're the same, Emily. 
Absolutely. And I will say I had two cameras on set also. So if you're doing an indie feature, please have two. <laughs> It'll save you yeah. and with the setups and everything. So yeah, we definitely had to prepare for both cameras rolling at all times. That just saves you time wise. And the other thing I just want to mention that with so my crew, we had 25 crew members um, and give or take on some days were different here and there. But yeah, it was it was definitely smaller than what you would think. But again, with indie features and with what we were doing, like I already told some crew members, hey, I'm going to need you to do this and this on this day. Hey, I'm going to need you to do this and this. So I think just the importance of communicating like more than you think you have to <laughs> just so that everybody's on the same page is key <laughs> with all of that stuff. Yeah, I think sometimes directors hold a lot of stuff close to the chest. And it's not helping anybody. Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah. there's something. You oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Jen, but I was going to say, even to the actors, mm -hmm. you know, when talking to them, like, okay, are you ready to jump into this? Because we're going to get two, maximum three takes mm -hmm. per, you know. So, so I'm just letting you know, are you ready to go on this ride with us? Because it's going to be fast and we're going to be coming in hot every single day. And there's not going to be a lot of conversation about where your motivation is. And I mean, of course I would try to have those, especially in, in emotional moments, right? I would try to like, can we all take a minute? Let me sit here and talk to her for a second. But, but honestly, it was like the actors, the crew, everybody had to know what we were all about to like, just jump into in, in order to literally sprint through to make it happen. And we only shot 10 hour days. So it was pretty hardcore. <laughs> the, the, when it comes to the cast too, that's so important in your prep that you're casting. Sometimes you don't have a lot of say over the names that get put in and you have right. to work around potential scheduling problems or um, sadly sometimes attitudes, but any other cast you have control over, You've got to pick team players. They've got to like you, you got to tell them what they're getting into before they sign on. Like they have to understand that. I, I remember on the five day feature, we were at a point where because I was still making time for beautiful shots. I still wanted dolly shots and all of that stuff. So at one point, I told my one actor, I was like, "Look, you've got like two page monologue right now. Like you've got to do it in one take." And he just was like, he just prepped and he went and he did it and he one take, you know. And then you get enough coverage so that you can cut around that, you know, you get your other cast members and stuff. I, I cannot tell you enough how important it is for you filmmakers to know how to edit. You have to be able to edit in your head when you're on set, especially when you're moving this fast. Uh, it's also helpful to have an AD who's really good at editing. So the two of you can bounce off or your DP, but you can bounce it off. Okay, we got this, then we would cut to this, we'll cut to that. Okay, great, we got it, we can move on because it goes so fast. I wanna go back though to Emily, you, talk, you talked about two cameras and you also use two cameras. I've always refused you two cameras because I feel like it's always taken up more time. I'd love to hear how you guys work with two cameras. What do you, when do you use them? Do you always use them? How do you set them up? Any, any wisdom you can impart? So I'll just say that I definitely prepped with Laura, my DP on my, on the two cameras. So we definitely put the, um, you know, the, the ground sheet down and we were like, okay, if camera A is here, where is B? And we did that as much as possible. Like I kid you not, there's long days. And then we go order some pizza or something after. <laughs> but we definitely planned that ahead of time just because we knew that we didn't want to take up all that set time figuring out where they were. So just FYI for, for uh, indie filmmakers, you have to take the time before then. And then we basically planned 
that as much to a T. And she was already thinking of like, okay, I'm going to put these lights here. I'm going to have the G&E here. I'm gonna, we're going to do the props here and all of that stuff. So when I say the planning was like meticulous, it was really meticulous. And um, I've actually always shot with two cameras. So I definitely just recommend that just because um, if you plan it accordingly, then then it can work and it has for, for me at least. <laughs> That's great. Jeanette, how did you guys work with your two cameras? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, same. I had also just come off of the Garcias where we also shot with two cameras with an enormous, you know, principal cast. And I think in that, also in that space, like if you have a big cast, that second camera's got to be on somebody at all times. Now, light accordingly, right? Like sometimes two cameras didn't always work for lighting. Um, and, you know, but there were very few times where we, were, we weren't rolling both cameras. Um, for sure, you just have to plan it meticulously. Cross shooting doesn't always work. Sometimes it's the wide and the tight on one of the, you know, the main character, but basically same, you know, same angle. Um, but uh, I, I, I couldn't have gotten the film in the can without it. And there was a period where the producers were like, yeah, we can't afford the two cameras. Like, sorry, we, we talked about it, but we can't do it. And I was like, I, I can't get this film then. There's no way I can get it because just having come off the Garcias, which was only, you know, a five day shoot, but having equally as big principal cast, I just knew I won't make these days. You want me to work in a 10 hour day for it? Like I won't make them unless I have two cameras rolling so that's great um yeah i was gonna put that kayla put it up for me if a uh, pacific studio says if you don't have two camera operators make the camera as portable as possible uh build a battery powered rig that mounts on a tripod tripod dollars are cheap you can easily reset your cam another option uh is to put a second camera on a motorized slider you know i think that having a um Having a DP who really wants to, you guys both talk about your DPs and how they spent time with you and you guys are able to prep. I've had a lot of times where I'm not able to have prep. Like I got hired on a my fourth feature, I think. They had fired their director and I had one week to like read the script and get any sense of what's happening. And then we were in production. So I just go back to the, the best thing you're going to be able to do is be nimble. But I've also shot 130 projects beyond the features. So I think that's the other thing is like getting out there and continually shooting. If you're a new filmmaker, do not take on your feature as your first project. Do a bunch of little things, even if it's your own camera and you're out walking around and shooting and um, making it happen yourself. All right. So let's talk about scheduling. Um, how did you guys, as much as you can remember, how much, how did you schedule out your days on these short shoots? How many, uh, I think you told us pages, but remind me how about how many pages you were doing per day. Um, just all things scheduling. Jeanette, you want to go first? Yeah, I was very, very, so our schedule was very tricky because we were shooting at um, uh, Malibu Ranch Inn. I forget, Malibu, not Country Mart. For some reason, I can't remember the name. How can I not remember the name? I was there for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Calamigos Ranch. Hello. Um, and it's so it was playing as one country club, but really it's a it's a it's a ranch that's all these event planning, these event venues. So they're not really connected. So I had to sort of connect the spaces. We had to work around events happening in individual spaces. So maybe we were going to try to shoot the dinner scene at one room, but then it got booked. So then it had to turn into a lunch scene in another space. Like the scheduling was actually pretty crazy. Thankfully I had an amazing 
AD, Kareem Nabil, who honestly couldn't have been more incredible. Um, but I mean, again, with the organization, the scheduling that we were doing, I would say minimum nine pages a day or nine to 12 pages a day and minimum 22 setups. One of the days we shot 10 scenes and 42 setups. So it was pushing it incredibly hard. Um, but the scheduling, I mean, like I said, there were times where he would say, we're going to lose this space in 15 minutes. We don't have time for the coverage. Okay. So now just, it's a one come in, sit down, the scene plays out. Like that's just all you could do <laughs> to get it. Insane. Emily? That is crazy. Oh my goodness. So with Bree's Breakout Challenge, we definitely plan by locations. So we filmed all of the uh, house locations first, and then we moved over to the high school. And the high school, just like just like with your um, with your location, Jeanette, um, there were events going on still throughout the summer of the high school. So we had to like work around that. And so luckily, we were able to. Like, like, for example, if we were filming in the gym one day, um, the the school had told us, hey, film in, on the gym this day because it's going to be really loud over here because they're going to be doing some cheerleading thing or film in the art classrooms this day because there's something else going on. So there took it took a lot of communicating with the location and finding figuring out those logistics um, as much as possible. So just to make sure that we were all on the same page and trying to aim for the best quality film possible. And um, with scheduling, yeah, definitely my producers and my AD, definitely, I, I want to say every day on the phone, just making sure we were planning and thinking of everything like worst case scenario. And I think, I honestly can't remember, but I want to say we filmed at least like 10 pages a day. There were some where we probably filmed more, but I really can't remember. And, um, but yeah, we definitely emphasized filming like per location. So we're going to knock out this gym location first and then we're going to knock out this art classroom and then we kind of went from there because then we were able uh to basically we had to move all the camera and gear and all of the props and stuff over to the next spot so we didn't it was, it was one of those things we couldn't be going back and forth we had to get everything done and then move on i think that's a staple in any filmmaking especially in quick filmmaking and micro budget filmmaking where you have to ba shoot based on location which can be tough for actors if they've got multiple scenes in that one location so as a director yeah. you want to continually keep them updated on where you're going next so as they're getting ready they know what they're coming into and reminding them when when they're on set remind them where they've just come from in the script uh so that you don't get flat performances because block shooting it's great for production. It's terrible for actors. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, as I was saying, the the you know the day that we had shot ten scenes and forty two setups in one house, one got house and my lead actress, I have to just give her all the props in the world, Samantha Boscarino. She was from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, all the scenes in between from happy, chaotic, drunk, crying, getting ready for work. Like just she she must have felt like she had a split personality that day. Um, and she just really killed it. And I have to say, you know, similar to you, like our whole schedule had to work around the fact that we needed to shoot on an actual golf course. And I don't know if you are aware, but it's they are very, very expensive to rent out and it's almost impossible to get one without other, you know, without other people on it. We had to shoot an entire golf tournament. So it was, so our whole movie sort of got 
pushed around this one day that we got to shoot and afford a golf course. And then everything else had to work around that. And, you know, Calamigos Ranch, we shot for 10 days. And then, you know, we, we, we planned everything so meticulously according to the locations, but you're right. The actors were just like, okay, you're in this outfit, then you're in this outfit, then you're in this, this happened. And then you just won and you lost and you, you know, it was crazy. At one point, one of um, our actors, we realized that he was in the wrong shirt for the scene he was in. So we literally did a quick shoot where he run, he goes in his bedroom and smells all his dirty laundry and puts on the shirt that's the wrong shirt. So <laughs> it makes sense that he's suddenly in a different shirt. I love that. You got to be, man, I think it's all, be a nimble, be in fluid. It's, it's yeah. key to all of this. Um, I believe, I, I know, Emily, you did. I, Jeanette, I feel like you maybe you did. What is the... You're working with kids, basically. I love working with kids. I think it's great. The, the problem becomes when you only can have them a certain amount of hours and you're trying to shoot this in limited days. Uh, Emily, do you want to speak to how you dealt with those issues? Yeah, that was definitely something uh, that was really difficult because we really had to, you know, cater to the hours, basically. So with that, basically, in a nutshell, and what we did is we scheduled the kids stuff and made that a priority. And then when it was time for them to go, we had the adults come in and do and do that also. So that's basically what it took. And again, just like, there were times where when we had the kids, we had to do just a wide shot and, you know, call it a day or do um, only spend an hour, like with the bake sale, actually, with that scene, we actually ended up running out of time because the sun was going down and, you know, the setups took longer. So for the bake sale, we're like, all right, everybody just cameras rolling and pretend you're in a bake sale and go. <laughs> so a lot of that stuff was really on the go. And that was probably, um, for the most part, that was pretty the most difficult uh, scene that we had. But yeah, just my producers and I had a real fun doozy just planning, <laughs> planning the hours for that. <laughs> How about you? I know you were working with uh, kids on Garcia's, but did you have kids? Yeah. Sure. No, I had one, I had one scene with with a little kid um, on. Actually, I had two, but um, yeah, they were very minimal, so it didn't really play too far into you know my scheduling issues. But it is something that you don't really think about. You know, the limited. What I did have on my feature was a cat, so that's a whole other ball of wax. And you did it, you did it legit, like with with. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, wow. Uh, talk to everybody about that because I feel like I've always used my own dog or something if I need an animal. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, what? I had done I had done um, some commercials for PetSmart back in the day, so I definitely had already experienced working with animal trainers and and unpredictable animals, even though they're trained. Yeah. Um, and so on my feature, we had a cat. It had a sort of a twin cat as well in case because one was sort of more snuggly and one was a little feistier and that was on my day where we shot 10 scenes in the house so the cat had to go through their you know whole gamut of behavior the way the actress did um and you know you just don't I mean you just you just have to let the camera roll and you have to hide the trainer in specific places and you have to hide the food in specific places we hid the food in the couch and the cat would jump onto the couch to get the food, but then it's booty was always toward the camera. And I was like, okay, no, I don't want the cat's booty. Like we got to get, so, you know, it, it does take some finagling and you just really do have to be patient um, and just understand that it's, it's not going to happen 
It's not going to be simple. Let's just put it that way. It's not going to be simple. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I want to, uh, guys, if you don't see many questions going in here, so you're, I know you're watching, so throw your questions in as we go because we're getting to the end of mine. Um, oh, I want to ask you guys about permits. I, <laughs> I'm going to probably put myself on some kind of flagged watch right now, but I literally never get permits for these micro budget shoots. Um, Emily, did you guys deal with permits? Yes, we did. I'd say if you're filming in, a location for indies like a family house or a friend's house or something like that that's low key definitely you know you can get away with that <laughs> but for the high school location we definitely had the permit insurance and all of that and for the filmmakers watching if you have a big location you know like a school or even um, you know a golf cart or ranch there's definitely requirements there's definitely fees and insurance and try not to get overwhelmed but definitely it's just a checklist. Like just call, figure out what they need and then start basically getting what they need because otherwise you can't film there because they're really, <laughs> it's required. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was, that was, um, you know, fun for my producers and I to figure well, out. <laughs> a lot of places that say you have to have insurance and permits, you do need to have the insurance, but they never, mm -hmm. I've knock on wood, they've never asked for the actual permit. So mm -hmm. it's always a risk. I mean, I have had, it, I have been filming on, it wasn't my film, but I was helping somebody out there. We were in a church and like in a church closed and cops came and knocked on the door. Like, what are you guys doing? And we did not have permits. <laughs> did they still let you film? I, yeah, I believe they did. I, but we probably told them we were done and we, but we kept filming. Yeah, yeah, I think that, it just depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I so um, I mean, my whole film was fully permitted, and you know, it was just too big of a too big of a project not to be able to do it in all these big locations, like you were talking about, Emily. But on one of my short films, we uh, we rented like a pure space type house in you know over in the Venice area, and it was like a very enclosed space, and we were only shooting interiors and a small crew with like a tiny sprinter van. No one parked in the neighborhood. Like we were so careful. But of course, I guess that homeowner had been renting their house out a lot. So the neighbors called the police, even though we had no equipment outside, we were not outside anything. So the police came, they shut us down for like an hour while my producer was negotiating and talking and whatever. We ended up paying like a $350 fine because um, they, they wrote us a ticket on the spot. Um, but it ended up being cheaper. I was gonna say it's cheaper. <laughs> and 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 he said that we couldn't shoot past six p.m. We were scheduled to shoot until eight. So again, had to think on our feet. Had to drop a couple scenes. Had to shoot, you know, one or two takes, and and just sort of adjust and make it work. One thing I always tell everybody is if if you can work with a student producer who's in film who's in film school who can get the letter, do it. Yeah gives you cheap, if not free permits. Um, another trick around this, I just gotta stop saying this stuff in public because they're gonna block <laughs> me. Uh, photo permits. If you have a tiny crew, you can do a photo permit, it's like 60 bucks and it'll give you a permit. And as long as you're not there with a bunch of people and like booms, you know, and everything out. Meh. Done that for parks before for commercial shoots, but. Uh, so I would love to hear, so we've talked about all the hard parts. <laughs> What are the best parts of shooting a micro budget or a 15, a short time frame 
Um, honestly, for me, the best part is the end product. Like once it's done, I can see like, okay, everything that we planned and my vision is on screen. Like, yes, we did it. <laughs> and um, for ba Breeze Bake Off, I mean, I really wrote a really a lot of fun stuff and we were all like eating sweets and things and like that. So it was really fun. I mean, being on set, I think all of us know is the best feeling in the world, but definitely once the movie's done, it's also another great feeling. <laughs> I feel like whenever I'm, I feel like we prep forever. And by prep, I mean trying to find money or trying to find a script we want to shoot or trying to get our script. As directors, most of our life is spent offset, you know? So when you are on set, it, if you look at it like a blessing and you have fun, even when it's tough, it's still a good time. Uh, Jeanette, what was, what do you think was it? There was a, what benefited you for shooting that film so fast? Was there anything that actually was like, you know what, because we shot it fast, this one good thing happened. I, you know, I, I honestly, it's really kind of crazy because it, it seems insane that we shot a whole feature film in 15 days. And I think when I look at the finished product, which by the way, is literally just being assembled like today, <laughs> um, I, I go, yeah, we shot that in 15 days. Like, did we really need more time? Like, of course, that's what we did. but honestly, we did it. Like, yeah. and it was, we had so much fun. The cast had a great time. Yes, we all worked hard. The crew, they busted their asses. Like, I couldn't be more grateful for them. But we, we had a genuinely fun set, a fun crew, a fun cast, and everybody was super psyched about the project. And that was just like the best part of it. Like, the post has been so long and interminable comparatively right i mean and it's only been what five months in post but the 15 days to shoot it like that was just it was a high it was a blast i think that filmmakers need to be aware that post takes forever oh. don't when you <laughs> don't have the proper funding it's even longer you know like it already takes a long time if you're asking for favors which most of the micro budget feature films are you're asking for favors you're getting things cheaper it's i i end up having to edit my film my last feature and with that and all of the favors we had to ask to get sound on everything and it took us like two or three years in post which is ridiculous for a film that we shot so fast <laughs> emily i think you said you've been in post for a while too yeah, same kind of deal. I actually edited Breeze Bake Off myself and all to save money and to put money elsewhere to uplift the film in other ways in post as well. So we were in post, I think it was two and a half years and then a year in negotiations. So three and a half years after June 2018 to 2022 now. <laughs> and when you talk about negotiations, you talk about for distribution? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything you can share to help others on their journey? Yeah, so I started off with my network. I didn't have an in at a major studio. So because I had went to film school in LA and I worked in LA, um, I went to my network first. And I literally asked yeah. everyone and their mother, hey, uh, do you know somebody? Hey, this is my product. This is my product. So for filmmakers watching, definitely treat your indie feature like a product. I mean, at the end of the day, I know the creative things and being on set is amazing. Um, and like, we all love directing, but at the end of the day, the movie has to be seen and distributed. And so that's where I had to honestly put my producer hat and become a saleswoman mm -hmm. and really hone down on reaching out, not being afraid to ask, like, Hey, can you just take a look at my trailer? And 
and luckily, honestly, because of like my efforts and the way that I spoke about the film, people saw how passionate I was about it and people saw the quality of the film that we put into it, that they were able to, you know, connect the dots and one thing led to another. And then now it's on HBO Max. So, you know, it was just one of those, <laughs> gotta, gotta do it now, <laughs> gotta push. Awesome, by the way, the HBO Max thing, that's great. They are the like hot ticket right now. They're amazing, uh, yeah. <laughs> Is people, people can watch it now or it's going to be premiering? It is available now. So it launched April 1st. And oh, yeah, and if you go on my Instagram, really funny, I have a story of they told me that the movie was going to be on the app for some reason at 3.01 Eastern time. So I was like, okay, that's really random. So I wake up at two in the morning and then I didn't think I'd react the way that I did, but my reaction is on my Instagram and my best friend comes over with champagne and I literally fly behind. I'm, I like go fly when I see the <laughs> when I see the the movie on the app. So I don't know, just fun thing. <laughs> I love that. That is yeah. so cool. <laughs> uh, remind everybody what it's called. Breeze Bake Off Challenge on HBO Max, and then my inst- my Instagram is right here. The momentum. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so. I got so distracted by also oh, this distribution. So Jeanette, you're you got hired to direct a feature, which is always lovely. You don't have to deal with any of that. Um, other yeah. dramas that we we uh, the rest of us had to deal with so how but but in your case i'm assuming it's a little frustrating to not be able to be as involved not to have a say on where it goes not to have a say on anything not even posters uh you want to talk a little bit um, about i do i'm lucky that so i did my film with creator plus which is a small indie studio um and they have kept me completely involved in the creative process as a matter of fact yesterday i was a giving notes on on the poster on the art you know on the artwork on the clip art etc um it's going to the can to the can film market um and yeah i you guys will know like i just you know i'm out of that i am out of that loop um which is which is hard because it's you know my baby it's my first feature and so it is super important to me but it's also yay because they can deal with that <laughs> I've, dealt with I've dealt with a lot of other stuff even though it wasn't a micro budget it's was still low budget you know a lo- low budget film and so there were i had so much responsibility on it even in post you know music etc cetera, etc cetera. so it it was definitely you know a huge intensive labor of, of love for me i will say as someone who's been hired to direct features and who's directed i directed two that i was in full control of and the other four were other people and as much as it is nice to just not have to worry about any of the producer stuff uh you i i did not get final cut i did not get say in anything distribution i did not get say in i mean like not even final cut i wasn't even in the room for most of the time because they want because the producers who normally hire you for this kind of stuff want to have full control so mm-hmm. it's just like it's like that split but with playing with beethoven Full control, anything wrong or right, I put on me, which is really nice and I love. But man, has it been, it's a lot of work to try to get your, as Emily knows, because she's doing it. It's so much work <laughs> to feature out there and sold and people to actually buy it, watch it, get, you know, get your investors money back. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I had a, a really, I was very, very fortunate to have honestly the most amazing producing team. I mean, who really like valued my creative input and gave me an equal say. I mean, I didn't have final cut, but 
you know, I gave my cut. We all did notes together. We went back and forth. I heard theirs. They heard mine. Like it was a general, a very um, genuine creative collaboration. And I'm very appreciative of that. I know it's an anomaly. <laughs> and yes, there were some things where I was like, if you cut that, this scene doesn't make sense. Like, you know, and then it was cut. But, um, but that was literally less than 1% of my experience with them. So I really have been so fortunate um, in this team that I've worked with. Very, very lucky. I love it. Uh, Kayla, if you want to start throwing the questions, I know that a lot come, have come in. Um, I appreciate you guys all in the audience here. My fan guy says, it seems like pre-production is the key to low budget and fast productivity. What does your prep timeline look like? How do you know when you are ready? You're never ready. Or do you just set a date and make it happen? Yes. <laughs> Emily? <laughs> yes to all of that. <laughs> um, so one of the key things that I did that I said was I prepped the script already while I was writing based on the resources that I had. So start thinking of your movie, start thinking of what you have. And my high school location, we, were, we reached out to like 20 high schools, but the one that we ended up going with was actually the high school that I had gone to. So... Oh. Yeah, so that was really surreal. But um, I didn't know that was going to happen, but I had prepped. I was like, I can get a school. Let me start prepping for that. Um, for pre-production, we definitely uh, had six months of pre-production. And then one of the reasons, we were trying to have eight months of pre-production, but one of the reasons why it actually turned into six was because my high school was like, hey, we are so happy to let you film here. Here are all the requirements. <laughs> like, okay, great but we're actually going to tear down the cafeteria in like in, in July or something. So you have until then. And that really sped up myself and the producers. And I think that's why they were so gung ho <laughs> to let us film because, you know, they were literally, they transformed it and stuff. So um, again, I think it based it like have six months of pre-production for features. I think that's a healthy ish, like if more cool, but at least six months and then definitely the locations, whatever they say and whatever the requirements are, I think that does give you a date. And you start there, rent the location, sign, do all that stuff, and then start telling everybody, hey, actors, we need you on these days. Hey, everybody, we need you on these days. So that's kind of how we did it for Breeze. Well, I also think we got to be careful with um, having expectations that you're going to get six months. Emily, yeah. it was her film, so she could take as much time as she wanted, you know, in theory. But, like, if you're hired... You might get hired and you get five weeks. You might get three weeks. You might get one week. You might get nothing. You just have to be flexible and know, and there's no way to be more ready and flexible than to continue to shoot in the meantime while you're trying to get this feature going. Even if like you're out trying to get financing for a feature that can't be your sole focus. You've got to be making shorts and doing other things while you're making Get, trying to get financing for a feature. Uh, you've got to keep your brain sharp, especially those of, like, after the pandemic. I, I'd actually, you guys both shot after the pandemic, right? Because I feel like I had this weird, I was directing so much I couldn't breathe. And then two years of almost silence. And now I can't remember what a fork is called half the time. Right. <laughs> you find that it took you a minute to get in that groove. So for me, I, I freelance and I'll make videos for businesses and commercials and stuff like that. So I was luckily able to do that during the pandemic and keep myself afloat that way because, you know, everyone needs a video these days. And then I also have my gear um, as well. So luckily that, but yeah, being on set, you know, <laughs> with a 20 plus person crew is different, but definitely. And about the 12, you know, 12 hour days, I'm like, 
boy, it seems like this three hours, like this hour conversation <laughs> we're having is exhausting me now. Because like the pandemic. Yeah, but then, you know, it's like riding a bike. Like it is, it is scary to get back into it when you haven't done it for a minute. And you're so right that we should all continue to like create our, our stuff. But um, once you get on set, like it just snaps back in, you just yeah. fall back into what you know, like it comes naturally to you. I got six weeks of prep and that was very, very intense. Um, I do agree that setting a date, if you can, for a project can create the urgency. My husband, Emily, who you know, is also a director. Um, he is a big believer in that. If you have like a passion project you want to do, but it just keeps looming out there and you don't go, okay, I'm going to, I want to shoot this, you know, November 15th, like now let me back into it or whatever you have to do to force yourself to get going on it. Because I think sometimes that can be really hard, the creative motivation or to feel like this is so overwhelming and there's so much work and money needed and et cetera. How am I going to do it? You set a date, then you can also give people those dates. Hey, I want you to act in my film it's we're going to shoot on november 15th hey i want you to shoot this we're going to shoot on november 15th so that everybody can start wrapping their head around the date and the forward motion to that date is what happens and i did fully steal that from my husband <laughs> but he's smart kaylee you got anything else that you want to throw up there uh chateau says how do you negotiate time for rehearsal before production with actors do you do a lot of rehearsal do you pay a rehearsal rate or see if they can do it for free cheap anything in the real micro budget world everybody's working for free if even prep not on set necessarily but like in prep your your dp is probably not getting paid to prep with you your actors are definitely not getting paid for rehearsals or fittings or any of that stuff you get in big studio world um but how did you guys deal with that for because you especially when you got like emily you had your dp for a while you guys were working for a while was it a friend is that why you got so much time she we actually went to film school together and she's definitely um, a huge part of the film and like she's she believed in in me and and our careers and yeah we went to film school together so she's definitely a great friend of mine but even with that I would say that you really have to negotiate I mean everyone on set had a contract and there were specific things on there regardless if they're getting paid or not so definitely make sure you have contracts and agreements like hey if you're going to do this I expect rehearsals or like we should rehearse because that's for the best, you know, of the film. So what we did a lot was we did do a lot of online rehearsals with a lot of the cast members, the main ones who had really like a lot of lines and that they wanted to go over. And um, so we definitely did that through Zoom because I was in LA and a lot of them were in Virginia and we casted locally for some of those. And then definitely, um, yeah, just for the most part, when you're doing indie features and the actors, like they want their best performance and, you know, everyone wants the best for the film. So just make sure that everyone signs their agreements and agree to doing it for whatever the compensation is. And then, you know, everyone for the most part, like make sure you get really good energy people because <laughs> um, it's for the best of the film. I mean, everyone is putting their heart and soul into it. So on the note of contracts, too, for you that are trying to do this micro budget. Uh, we're actually going to have a legalese in June. I think we have a legalese panel uh, event to talk more about this stuff. But one thing I did on my last feature was do an overall uh, money, like a, an overall amount. So it's say, okay, my DP, we're going to shoot over this whole month and these days or whatever, but you're going to get paid this flat rate for you plus your gear. 
and they either take it or leave it. And most of the time it's just like, okay, how much money do they want to make for their, to make their bills and their rent? And then they get to shoot a movie. And so you can get people to do that, which helps keep your costs down because day rates can make those costs go way up. Um, Jeanette, did you have anything to add to? You know, I, so I, I mean, I just, anybody that was going to work with me on the project knew that it was going to be budgetarily challenged and time challenged. And this is my first feature. I'm trying to make a statement with it. Um, if you want to jump on board, just know that, um, it's going to take more than the actual shoot days that we're scheduled for. So, you know, like my cinematographer, like my production designer, like my AD, they all did free prep days because we wanted to come together as a team and make sure that we were prepared to go into this shoot. Now, if we went on a tech scout where they weren't paid, I was buying them lunch. Like I was, you know, I was, saying to them, I appreciate you putting your time and investing this in, in our project um, and doing that for me. So that was really nice. And then in terms of the rehearsals for the actors, I mean, this was a union movie, like they, but they weren't paying for rehearsal time. So we had no rehearsal. We had one table read. That was it. I had side conversations with the main actors just talking about their characters. Did they have questions about the script? Did they need anything? Um, and so I had those conversations with each individual actor uh, before we started shooting, but there was no rehearsal time. It was a table read and then go. That was it. Uh, on that note, for filmmakers who are trying to do real micro budget, like under 20 grand, you can get your SAG contract for um, an ultimate for the 20 grand and under and just negotiate all rates, including, you know, if they get anything for rehearsals or not. Rehearsals are a luxury in indie film world. Um, and don't expect your name talent to rehearse. Like you're probably going to meet them on the morning when they show up to do their scene. They're probably on set with you for one day and then they're gone. So again, flexibility. I want to throw Lucky's question up here. Lucky, uh, hi, thanks for watching. Uh, what are the top lessons you learned on the on this film that will help you on your next film? I'm a, this is, I'll start because the one thing I always do every time, and then I do it again and again. I'm like, I'm never doing post myself ever again. We're not doing it with them. We don't have money for this and that and this, and then cut to like the next film. Well, let's just figure it out. Just figure. It that's funny. Oh my gosh. So I will share one thing that I learned on Breeze that it's helped me as a director for sure is that for all of us, like trust yourself, like trust your intuition, trust your gut. And like there were times where I like I was questioning myself. I was like, wait, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? But I made the I trusted myself. I eventually <laughs> I made the decision. And now looking back on what I did, I was like, yes, I did make the right decision and even if I didn't like everything is fine so I don't know just trust yourself and you know whatever you think is best just go for it because what are you going to do not go for it and then just you know the whole what if scenario <laughs> plays in your mind so I don't know that's basic like for my next film I'm like I know what I'm doing like I'm let's go <laughs> Jeanette I think um and this is something that I've always subscribed to, but it was even more, you know, it was even brought home more on this movie. It's like you bring on a team that you trust. And then even though you're the overseer and even though your word is the final word, you do let them do their thing. Right. So 
I just, I want, I wanted to trust my crew and I really had to lean on them because this moved so fast and it was so big. And that's one thing I really learned. Like just, you bring on people that you really value their artistic talent and their work ethic, and then you let them do it. You don't micromanage what they're doing. Now, were there times, were there one or two times where I would go, you know, I just don't think this shot is working and these are the reasons. And we would go back and forth for maybe five minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, and have the luxury of discussing it longer. And then I would go, no, I really need to be this. But that was very rare because I just, I believed in what they were doing as well. Like we're all experts in our department. So let's let people, you know, show what they can do as well. I think that was equally as important on this project for me. I know there's a lot more questions, guys, but we are at the end of this. Um, there are have been some questions about budget and working with budget. Um, I think maybe we'll do another micro budget series for you guys where we just dive into what does a micro budget look like? What are you actually paying for? Because that's a whole conversation. Um, Jeanette and Emily, do you have anything you want to leave us with? And definitely remind everybody what your movies are called and everybody follow them and so that you can know when their next, next stuff is out, when Jeanette's movie is out to see. Uh, but yeah, leave us with some final thoughts and remind everybody what your movie is. Well, I just want to say thank you everyone for showing up and thank you, um, Jen and Jeanette and Kayla in the back for having me and just really had a fun time talking with you all. My movie is Breeze Bake Off Challenge. It is on HBO Max now or meow because we say now instead of meow in the movie. And um, yeah, the last thing I want to say is I know how scary it can be to make a feature when you feel like you don't have enough money or when you know you don't have enough money. And I've definitely been there. But the best advice that I was given was that you just have to start where you start and make something out of nothing, nothing. like honestly. And that's one of the reasons why I was like, I was already thinking of writing the script with the resources that I had. So for filmmakers watching, you definitely have more resources than you think. If you're renting an apartment somewhere, then okay, you already have a location, write that and make it make sense for the character and the story. So I don't know, I just want to say that, like, I know money is a sensitive topic. And I know that it's really difficult to wrap your head around it. But if you really want to be a serious filmmaker, don't use money as an excuse. I've been there and I've done that. And I've been able to push past that lack mentality and just, you know, ask for help, be open and just go for it. So I hope that helps. Thank you, Jeanette. I'm going to watch your movie today. Um, <laughs> my movie is called Diamond in the Rough, and it will be coming out uh, end of June. I don't know where. Well, it's going to come out on the Creative Plus platform, right? They're going to have their own platform, but it's also being sold out to distribution, which I don't I don't know what that's going to be yet. Um, but look for it. It stars Samantha Boscolino. Uh, Griffin Johnson, David Koechner, Ramondi, an amazing, the most diverse cast I've ever worked with, with the most diverse crew I've ever worked with. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and I would say, look, I've been in this business for a long time. I started in my 20s. I have two daughters in college, and I wanted to be a, you know, a very present mother. And but I still wanted to keep stretching creatively. And after my kids went to college, I said, I want to direct a feature film now. And within two years during a pandemic, I did it. So it's possible to continue growing creatively throughout your entire life. Just because you're in your 50s doesn't mean you can't still learn and still grow and still keep moving toward your goals and your dreams. So I just say, keep doing it. Keep creating. 
I love it. Thank you both for being here. You're such rock stars. You've been listening to the Black Magic Collective Podcast. If you're having fun talking tech and the biz with us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews as it helps others find the show so we can keep making great content for you. We're also on all of your favorite podcast apps, as well as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please visit blackmagiccollective.com to join and be part of the filmmaker community. All of our events and programs are free to filmmakers thanks to our presenting sponsor, Black Magic Design.